Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There was something of the fear of the Lord that they had lost. And it was probably what was affecting how they were living. Probably why they weren't living the way God wanted. Probably why they weren't glorifying God the way that they were supposed to. And now on a day that should have been a celebratory day, we got the ark back. They start off well. They have the priest get it take it off the cart and offer the sack. But somebody, and evidently people were there around, but somebody went and said, man, let's, let's look in there. Let me, let, me see what's in, let me see what's inside the ark. And God said, boom, not going to treat this as a common thing. When we're scared of something, we don't want to interact with it. Today, Pastor Bill says the people in 1 Samuel forgot what the fear of the Lord was like. When we fear the Lord, it isn't the same kind of fear as a fear of heights would be. Instead, it's a reverence for who God is and what He has done for your life. When you fear God, you're saying, God, I know you are stronger and know more than me. Guide me. To have a proper fear of the Lord, you must first believe that He is God. Believe in Christ today. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Let's just see if this is actually God that did this to us. And so this is how they're sorting it out. Verse 10 now. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. So again, the maternal instinct of these, these cows will be to go get their calves, to go where their calves are. They, they left their, they, they've been taken away from their calves and they're being hitched up to this ark, to this uh, cart. Verse 11. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. Verse 12, then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went and did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. So this would have for them, this would have told them, OK, it was the hand of God. The cows didn't they didn't look back for the babies. They went straight on up the road to Beth Shemesh. And that was that was the that was the sign that they were looking for that. OK, this was the hand of God. So let me slow down just a bit. What would have settled in? They already getting whomped on. They already got tumors. They got rats. Things are going terrible. It's been seven months of this mess. And they're like, well, maybe maybe it's not God. Maybe it's just and, and now God just in, in the way that they could understand, let them know. Now, that's me. I did this to you. This is the hand of God. This is yeah. You got it right. The hand of God is against you. I want you to think about what that would feel like to know that it's God's hand against you. Because we, as children, as Christians, we, we've all, we, we, we've experienced what it is to know God is with us. Amen? That he loves us. That he's for us. That he, he did this for me. He loved me so much he died for me. He reached out to me. He's ministering to me. He's filling me with his. We, we've experienced the hand of God for us and with us. But I want you to think about what it would be like to find that God's hand is against me. Uh, I would think it would be a fearful thing because who is like the Lord? Who is who is greater than him? And again, these are even though these are pagans, they they've seen they historically know about the power of the God of Israel. They heard about what he did in Egypt. They heard what he did to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the the that was the guy that was like you. You couldn't get any higher than the Pharaoh. And they heard what the God of Israel did. 
to Pharaoh because he didn't do what he said. God said, let my people go. And he didn't let them go. And so God spanked the Pharaoh. That's in history. So at this time in history, you got non-believers that are saying, man, this, this, this God of Israel, God is not a joke. Not like our little piddly gods of the Philistines that we done made up and they don't really do nothing. Now, you know, bear with me here. I would think that these guys would start saying, man, I'm going to worship the God of Israel, right? Because evidently he's the only God that's really doing something. He's really delivering his people. He's really powerful. I would think that these guys would start switching teams and just saying, man, I'm going to head over there to, I'm going to go on and worship y'all. This daggone God all broken into pieces. I, I, I quit him. Um, you know, uh, that's what, that's what you would think would happen, right? I got accused years ago, um, you know, L.A. haven't had a football team for a long time. So according to basketball, as far as basketball go, I've been a Lakers fan, you know, since I was born. But football, I have options, right? I don't got to be the fan of – if, 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 if my city don't have a team, I get to pick a winner, don't I? And so that's what I would do, right? I would I, for a while roll with the Ravens uh, and, and, and until they got the Super Bowl. Then I was rolling with the Seahawks because then they got the Super Bowl. And somebody called me. They called me Bandwagon Bill. And I said, hey, you know <laughs> – I, hey, that's I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead and why why I gotta why I gotta hang on to a losing organization you know I'm it's, and it's a winning team over here. it's a perfectly good winning team for me to join over here um, that's what I'm gonna go do now now we got the Rams and so I'm I'm gonna settle down and I'm I'm gonna try to be faithful to the Rams I got I'm trying to get theirs they uh they, they they you know so we'll see how it goes but uh but before this year I was proud bandwagon bill ain't no problem with that I'm, I'm why pick a loser when I could pick a winner you know so I would think that the Philistines would be stiff this time to switch up man this our guys do nothing for us they 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 don't come they didn't take away the tumors they didn't stop this other guy from wrecking havoc on us with rats and tumors for seven months I would think that they would come to themselves. There's at least a fear of the Lord that causes them to say, look, we need to give him back his thing and, 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 and appease him. Here's an offering. Here's gold. Uh, we're going to do, do the best we know how to do to appease him. And that's evidence of a fear of the Lord. They, they, they grew to a point where there was a fear and a reverence for the God of Israel that they really don't know. Verse 12 now. It says, the cow, again, the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh, and they went along the highway lowing as they went, and they did not turn to the right or to the left. The lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. So the, the Philistines watched all the way to see, and they saw the ark and the cart and the cows on off into the land of Israel to Beth Shemesh. And so now we switch up, and we're going to see God deal with his people as they're going to receive the ark. So look at verse 13 now. It says, Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted their eyes and they saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. So it starts off pretty well. The, 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 the men or the people of Beth Shemesh, they were, it was harvest time. They were reaping their harvest. And they looked up their eyes and they saw the ark coming on the cart. And it says, when they saw it, they said they rejoiced to see it. They were excited. Um, the ark represented to the, to the Israelites the presence of Almighty God. You guys remember the ark used to be in the, the temple or the tabernacle in the what? Anybody know where it was kept? 
in the Holy of Holies. This is going to be very important later. So let me let me let me place this for us. The ark had articles in it that God had told them to put in it. Um, the ark represented the presence of Almighty God, and the ark was kept in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. So this was behind the veil. This is in a, a place where where only the high priest could go in once per year when he went in to make uh, atoning sacrifice for the people. And so it was a holy, holy, holy place. And again, it represented God's presence, God's presence with the people. Now, when we come to the end of our study tonight, I'm going to remind you of this. But for New Testament believers, there's no Ark of the Covenant. There's no Ark. There's no Holy of Holies. There's no temple or tabernacle. Today, if I ask someone this, where is the Holy of Holies today? What would you say? Somebody say it out loud. Say it like you mean it. Okay. He, he pointed to his chest. Right on. So today, you are the Holy of Holies. The, I, I don't know if you know. We'll, we'll get to a verse a little later where I'll show you guys that. But I want you to think about this. This, this article that they're carrying that represents the presence of God, where, the, where God's presence dwelt inside, you and me are that today. There is no thing there is no 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 physical thing. You and me are where God's presence dwells. And so we'll, we'll, we'll just remember that. We'll, we'll come to that at the end. So the Philistines see it coming. They rejoice to see it. It's an exciting thing. It's kind of says for them, God's going to be back with us. But remember, before all this happened, was Israel in a good place? No, they have made the mistake of looking at the Ark of the Covenant like a like a like a like a lucky charm. They weren't really valuing the presence of the Lord. They were looking at the ark like a, like a good luck charm, and they got spanked for that. That's how come they got defeated. That's how come it was taken in the first place. So now pick up in verse 14 with me. It says, then the ark came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there, so they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it in which in which were the articles of gold and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So everything starts off very well. They're doing all the right things. They took that cart that was not supposed to be carrying the ark and they broke it up, took the wood and said, we're going to use that wood to offer these cows as a sacrifice to the Lord. And they did that. There was a large stone there. They put the gold that, that you know, the gold tumors and rats, they put that on the stone. They said, let's, let's give glory to God in the way that God has prescribed for us in the word. And they offered sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord that day. So far, so good. Things are going in the right direction for them. Verse 16 says, so when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. So once the Philistines saw that the Israelites received it and were doing their thing, they said, OK, well, now we should be OK. And they headed on back to their, their part of town. Verse, verse 17, then um, these are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. So the five lords of the Philistines, there was one for each of them because they all had been they all had been afflicted by the Lord, you know, by these things. So the, the lords of the Philistines, man, make sure you give give God something for us to make sure I want I want this off of me, you know. So they offered these 
one for each of them to the Lord. Verse 18. And the golden rats, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel, on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. So um, they offered the sacrifices. Um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're setting everything aside as they've been given it. Verse 19, things take a, a bad turn for them. Uh, starts off well, looks like Israel's doing the right things. And I, I would liken this to this because there haven't necessarily been a change of heart yet. There haven't necessarily been in Israel a, a change of behavior overall. They're excited to have the art back. They offer up the sacrifices there. They, hey, we got our thing back. You know, maybe maybe God's going to be cool with us now. And then it all goes bad. Just as quick as it seemed like it was going their way, it all went south. And it's one of those places in Scripture that you just kind of scratch your head and say, why, why, why did God do that? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But look what God did in verse 19. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Now, if you have, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, some translation of the Bible says instead of 50,070, it says 70,000. Uh, if you got a King James, New King James, they say 50,070 people were killed. There is great debate over this. Uh, I've read volumes of, you know, people arguing why they believe X, Y, and Z. I'll give you a few of the arguments real quick, and I'll tell you where I landed. Um, it, it has something to do with which original text you look at. So for some, the original text, that like the NIV, the ESV, that those books come from, uh, their scholars believe that, it couldn't have been 50,070 for these reasons. They said that the, the, the population of the Beth Shemesh, the area wasn't that populated. Uh, they also say that normally in the Hebrew, the numbers are rounded to, uh, a, you know, it would have been rounded to, you know, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been 50,070. It would have been rounded to 50,000 or whatever. So um, that was another reason. And there's several, you know, arguments as to why they believe it's probably not 50,070, just 70 men. I landed at 50,070 because that's what I have in the text here. It's there. Uh, there are two texts. And so I would have to agree that probably there was a copyist error that I can't prove or believe that it's not a copyist error. So I just want to give you that. There, this is one of those plays in scripture where there is some debate over what was actually there in the original. And it, it doesn't change anything gospel-wise. doesn't change anything about your salvation. It's not that critical. If 70 men die, it's a big deal. If 50,070 is a, a, a much bigger deal, when it's all said and done, it says that God has struck the people with a great slaughter. So I feel like a great slaughter sound more like 50,070 people uh, than 70,000. So um, but, you know, however you see, I'm like, then it's not I'm sorry, 50,070. It sounds like a great slaughter more so than 70 people to me. But you can land wherever you land on that. I wouldn't argue too heavily on it, but. But back to this, right? So, so people die. I'm going to say 50,070 people died. The reason they died was because they looked into the Ark of the Covenant. Can anybody tell me what, what was, why, why was that such a big deal to God that they looked into it? Anybody? Any, any thoughts on that? 
Why do y'all think it was a big deal that somebody looked into the ark and then God said that many people are going to die today? I'm make, God's making a big point. Um, why was it a problem looking into the ark? Someone said it was only meant for God to see. What else? We weren't supposed to touch it. What else? Someone say high priest was only. All of, all of what you guys are saying is, is accurate. They treated it as a common thing. It wasn't for everybody to touch, first of all. Um, nobody was supposed to be looking into it. There was only permission given to put things in at particular times, but nobody was supposed to be treating the art gods. This is not a common thing. This, this is my presence. And it's not, you can't just go looking at it, touching it or whatever. And so there was something of the fear of the Lord that they had lost. And it was probably what was affecting how they were living Probably why they weren't living the way God wanted. Probably weren't they, why they weren't glorifying God the way that they were supposed to. And now on a day that should have been a celebratory day, we got the ark back. They start off well. They have the priest get it and take it off the cart and offer the sacrifice. But somebody, and evidently people were there around, but somebody went and said, man, let's, let's look in there. Let me, let, me see what's in, let me see what's inside the ark. And God said, boom, not going to treat this as a common thing. It's not a common thing. There is another time if, in Israel's history, if you know taker, write down second, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So we won't be there for a long time. But in 2 Samuel chapter 6, something similar happened. Um, and David went back and got the ark and he brought it back home. And they were carrying the ark back. And as they were carrying the ark, now here, here again, they get in the ark back in 2 Samuel 6 from the Philistines again. The non-believers put the ark on a cart. But Israel had different instructions. So they put the ark on the cart like the, they said, well, hey, if it's good enough for the Philistines, it's good enough for us. They did God's work, but they didn't do it God's way. And they copied the, they copied the pagans and they put the ark on the cart and they carried it. And, and when it shifted, it says Uzzah reached up his hand to steady the ark. And then God struck him. And David was upset. God outbroke against him and just struck him right there on the spot because he touched it. Wasn't supposed to touch it. Wasn't, wasn't supposed to be on a cart. Was supposed to be on poles with, with priests carrying it. And so you know what happened? David was upset. They left it there. They went, he went back home. Uh, but David got back into the word and realized that they, they did it wrong. And they went back and they did it. You, you, when you go back and read it, look when they went back, how reverent they were. The priests would take so many steps and stop and worship. And then a few more steps and stop. And when they, like, they, they, when they did it again, they did it with a whole lot more reverence. Uh, there was an understanding. You're not going to play with this thing. Um, and so back to our story here. Um, as I read this, I believe God was reestablishing among his people because they lost it. And he said, you guys need to remember who I am. And, and there should be a reverence and a fear about who I, who I am. I'm giving specific instructions about how things are to be done. And they were just willfully, openly not honoring what God had prescribed. So God punished them severely to make a point. Now, the New Testament tells us that these things are written for our admonition. We're supposed to learn from this. So let me bring the application for us. One, there's no ark today. Um, so God doesn't live in temples or palaces or, or tabernacles or in a holy of holies anymore. Um, and so that part of it is not really applicable to us. But here's what's applicable to us. There is a way that God has prescribed to you and me that we should come before him, that we should live before him. 
uh, kind of people that we should be before the Lord. And then if you're a note taker, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, this is what Paul says. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? The phrase temple of God here is the exact phrase for the holy of holies of the Old Testament. He says, look, you are the house of God now. You are where God dwells now. Do you not know, he says to believers in Corinth, because y'all know the Corinthian believers was tearing up. And Paul said, y'all must not know, right? Y'all, y'all running amok, y'all doing all kind of dilly-dally and sexual sin. <laughs> Do you not know, y'all, that you guys are where God, God, you're the temple of God? And he says this, and that the spirit of God dwells in you. And look at this warning. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That was Paul's warning to the church in Corinth. That's more applicable to you and me. There's no article that we got to be reverent about. We're not running around, you know. I know some of y'all may have grown up in church. And they say, you know, don't you touch the pews. Don't you stand behind that pulpit. You know, they, and I mean, some people act like God is going to strike, man, that ain't, it's, a, it's a wood, you know, it's a wood podium, sir, ma'am. Uh, it, it's, it ain't nothing that powerful. You know what we need to be fearing is the Lord, not the places, not the things. There are people that are, you know, be real reverent about the Bible, the book of the Bible, the actual book. And I'm not saying to be out here mistreating your Bibles, but uh, I've met people that just, no, don't, don't write in there. No, no, don't, don't. You can't write, man. I'm going to highlight it, write it, circle it, scribble it, you know. I'm going to make a tool out of my Bible, right? But we can have all this reverence for things, and God has said, no, reverence me. Forget about them things. Forget about, not necessarily that we, we would reverence the book. God said, reverence me. The, I'm the God of the book. Those are my words. Do what they say. Live according to them. So let me come back to what we talked about in 1 Corinthians, because God dealt severely with them for mismanaging the ark, which represented his presence, looking into it when they shouldn't have, doing what they were not supposed to do with the ark. And again, the big deal was that it was disobedience. It was, and in God's eyes, they were defiled. They were treating something holy as, as, as common. And God broke out against them. Now God says to you and me, you are the temple of the living God. You are the house of God. I put inside you my spirit, the spirit of the living God means God literally lives in you. And everywhere you go, y'all know that everywhere you go, God goes. Paul in talking to the Corinthians said, look, don't join yourself to a harlot, because if you do, you you actually bringing God in there. With, y'all know God don't say, I'm well, I'll, just going in, I'll, I'll, well, I'll be out here till you get done. God, you, you bringing God into those scenarios and situations. And so as believers, I got to be mindful of that. I'm, God lives in me. The spirit of God, I gotta, that, that should impact where I go. Don't you guys think? It should impact what, where we go. It should impact what you watch. It, it, it should impact how you treat people, what you do about things. It should impact you when nobody else is around. I know what I am. I know God is with me. And, and it shouldn't be, I don't, it, it, it could be two ways you could look at it. The fact that God is always present. It could be a comforting reality. Or it could be something that causes you to be afraid. Uh, And I think that depends on how you live. And if you ain't living right, that should be a scary thought. That I'm finna go up in here and I know God is, oh man, he gonna get, yeah, he gonna get you. Right? God is patient, long-suffering. He's gentle. Anybody here been disciplined by the Lord? Just just raise your hand up. Let me just, I just wanna, I just wanna know I'm not alone. And okay, when he finally does spank, does he, don't he spank? 
Yeah, I mean, it make it count. So um, I, I understand that. I, I, there's some things that I'm just not going to do because I'm like, I, I know he'll get me. I, I know I know I can't do that. I, I know I can't. I know better. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.